Have you subscribed to the OTB Football Podcast? I think they will get one of those Champions League places. Should be an absolutely phenomenal achievement for Eddie Howe and his players. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. All right, you're welcome back to OTBAM. It's Cameron here, and I'm joined by Brian Moylet. He's a former Ireland under-19 AIL winner with Lansdowne, Connacht under-20. He hosts the Off-Field Rugby podcast, talking to players about mindfulness. He's um, done loads and loads of mindfulness seminars with rugby players from Leinster and Ireland. He's currently in New Zealand working with the Crusaders. Uh, good evening, Brian. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks, Cameron. Cheers for having me on. Looking forward That's to chatting. Not at all, not at all. What kind of work are you doing at the Crusaders, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, so uh, about six months ago, I was over in Vancouver and I was there to play. I was playing and coaching and I'd stopped playing a year ago hmm. because of concussion. So then I was coaching and the Crusaders manager, Shane Fletcher, was over in North America doing work with a few different unions, essentially like coach development and helping out different unions. And so I was coached with him on the grass for three days. I was with the BC under 18 boys. I was coaching three or four different teams over there doing as much as I could. And then I was chatting to Fletch about how I had to stop playing. And now I was going all in on the coaching. And he said to me after yeah, a couple of days together, he said, would you think of coming down to Christchurch next year and kind of doing some stuff with us, some shadowing or whatever? And I kind of, he had barely finished the sentence and I was already like, um, yep, I would think of coming down. And uh, so, yeah, so that kind of started in motion. And yeah, then I moved down to Christchurch six weeks ago. And yeah, he's put me in touch with kind of a local club and some doing some club coaching here as well. And yeah, getting involved in a few different areas of chatting to a school as well. Like first 15 here is huge. Like like it is back home. You know, schools rugby as well back home is huge and it's massive here. Like it's on Sky Sports. And so, yeah, I'm getting stuck into lots of different different areas. Yeah. Um, have you had any work with the actual first team of Crusaders yet? Have you worked with Scott Robertson or any of those yet? Or are you still at the kind Not- of... First 15s level. Yeah. Uh, so I was in there in there recently. Yeah, not on the grass with them yet. But yeah, I met Scott and met kind of the different people around Rugby Park. And yeah, it's a cool setup they have there. So it's kind of like the home of country rugby and then the Crusaders play out of that as well. And so, yeah, I was, was around there meeting everyone. And yeah, good to good to meet people and good to yeah get involved. And is it strictly on-field stuff that you're doing or is there a mindfulness angle to your work as well? Yeah, we'll see. So it's it's kind of there's no specific role. It was uh yeah, we'll kind of see different different areas. Like it's funny because when I chat to people about the work I do, like say one on one with players or with schools or coaching. So I've been doing this work the with the mental side of the game to help players like play in the zone, deal with nerves, have more confidence out in the field. I've been doing this for about two years. We can get into how it came about, but. Like I've been coaching on the grass for probably 10 years now. I started when I was 21 back in Lansdowne when I was playing AIL there. Someone asked me, hey, do you want to help out with the under-17s? And I just kind of said, oh, yeah, okay. And 
so anyway, yeah, I've been coaching on the grass and I love that as well. So yeah, I do both and yeah, kind of do a bit of everything, whatever I can sink my teeth into. Why was there a reluctance then to get into coaching? Because as you say, it is a bit odd that at 21, you're already taking coaching sessions at Lansdowne. It feels like when a player is asked that, they see their own, the mortality of their career becomes very stark. Why did you, why were you reluctant and did you enjoy it straight away or was there a teething period? Yeah, you know, I was a young lad back then, obviously. And so they played on a Sunday morning and I was playing on a Saturday. And so, you know, you'd have to maybe you had a few beers on a Saturday and then I had to get up and coach on a Sunday. And it wasn't, I was just so all in on playing. And, mm. you know, at that age, 21, I said captain the Connacht 20s year before and I was playing, as I said, AIL with Lansdowne. I had like ambitions to kick on as a player, but... You know, I was just asked to do it. I wasn't, I didn't particularly have any interest in coaching at that time. But when I went to the States at 23, I went there on a rugby scholarship as a player coach and kind of with the idea of playing with the Eagles. So as I said, yeah, I was won the AL with Lanza in 2015 with, we had a really good team like Tom Farrell, Tom Daly, Tyg Byrne, mm. Scott DC, Peter Dooley, lots of guys who played, you know, at the top level. And then, yeah, I was kind of, I don't know. I was thinking of maybe going to England, going to France, staying in Ireland. And then I just got this offer to go to the States. And so I kind of shifted my focus to go play with the Eagles after three years of residency. But unfortunately, six months in, I got a really bad shoulder injury that, yeah, kind of led from one thing to another. And essentially, yeah, that was, I got that shoulder injury playing American football I got surgery six months later and needed a full reconstruction. The rehab didn't go as planned. One day after five, six months of rehab, I had signed to play with a team in Chicago and they were going to be in the first MLR. They were meant to be in year one. So I was kind of thinking, finish this MBA and then go play MLR and get stuck into kind of the highest level over there and hopefully play with the Eagles. But then, yeah, five, six months after the surgery, I was going to class with one of my buddies and he said, hey, pass the ball there. So I dropped my backpack and ripped a pass 10, 15 meters or whatever. And as I released the ball, I felt a pop in my shoulder. And I just thought, oh, no, this is not good. And essentially, I'd redone the shoulder. And so my mind just started kind of spiraling then. And... I had already signed for this team in Chicago. I had given them my highlights, my CV, and, you know, you kind of big yourself up and they were rolling out the red carpet, so to speak. And anyway, my shoulder was done and I got frozen shoulder and my sh- my arm got so bad to a point I couldn't move my, my hand six inches away from my pocket. I could barely get dressed in the morning. Like I'd, I was struggling, put my t-shirt on in the morning. All the time while I'm going up to Chicago here, I still went up like a couple of weeks later and I'm trying to let on that things are okay. All the while, I know things are very bad and my shoulders goosed again. And I'd already been kind of a year. I was waiting six months for the surgery in pain. I got the surgery. The rehab was six months. Then it happened again. And then I just went into a dark place, to be honest. And it kind of all came to a head. You know, six, a few months later after that, I was, I went back home to get more steroid injections, get the shoulder right. And, you know, I got the shoulder to a point where I could physically 
moved again and then so I was going back to the States to take up a player coach role the shoulder was pretty good and I don't know if anyone's gone to the States you go through the pre-clearance in Dublin airport and I was going down the stairs and I had a thought and I thought I would prefer to get through these customs and the plane go down than I would have to turn around and go back home to the west of Ireland nothing against the area I'm from or my parents or anything but I just wanted to get back to being me and I knew that I needed a purpose I needed something to go after and playing and coaching was that and you know it's I had a visa and all that there's no reason why I would have got turned away you know now if you think straight but I wasn't thinking straight I was as it happened I was very depressed I didn't realize until that moment and I yeah at that moment I just caught myself I was like geez Brian stop stop and it was at that moment I kind of realized that for six eight months I was very very depressed and you know I had started drinking heavily and I had just kind of lost my way but um at that moment I decided enough of this I'm going to find out how did I go from being an enthusiastic ambitious driven determined young person player whatever, who was always happy and, you know, always uh, feeling good to then at this point, like literally thinking that dying would be, could be, wouldn't be too bad. And so I started just, I decided I was just going to find out. And so I started reading psychology, philosophy, mindfulness, spirituality, whatever I could read, I started reading. And I got myself, got myself right. I got myself into, you know, the best headspace I've ever been in. And I went back playing rugby. I moved to Vancouver got myself right physically, got myself right mentally. And then I just started playing the best rugby of my life. Like I didn't even care anymore. All I wanted to do was be happy. Like I, I'd had enough and I just was like, I don't care about sport. I just want to be happy. And, um, but anyway, as transpired, I love rugby. I love playing and started playing the best rugby ever. And I realized I was like, Hey, other people need to find this out. It was as if I cracked the code, like every game I was just playing incredibly well, I wasn't worrying about anything. I was just in the zone. I was in the moment. I was in the flow state, as they say. And then I decided, hey, I need to help other people. So I set up my Instagram page at Offfield Rugby. I said, I'm going to chat to other people about their experience. So I set up the Offfield Rugby pod. And then as that kind of year went on, I decided to write a book to help players with the mental side of the game to kind of get the word out and spread the the message. And so... I wrote the book on how I become a pro rugby player and I got my old teammate Robbie Henshaw to do the forward because I was thinking who better to give a bit of advice to to players than him. So um, yeah, it was kind of a very, I hit a low point. I, you know, I never thought, I don't know, mental health, you know, me anyway, I never thought it would happen to me. I thought, you know, oh, I'd be stronger. Or, oh, you know, people get down, whatever, but you know, not me, I'm, I'm different. And then, yeah, lo and behold, that happened, but it's funny, like, I think like anything in life, you, it's often the challenge or the struggle, which makes you stronger. And yeah, very, it was a tough period, but hey, look, I'm uh, in a way grateful I went through it or, you know, it's, it's certainly mm. it's in a weird way done a lot for me because now, you know, I'm on a mission to help players with the mental side of the game and I love what I do and yeah, I'm keeping busy with lots of different projects. Just on that, um, it sounds, and it's amazing that you managed to do that because I know it's one of those, um, 
it relies on very short moments where it could go from success to tragedy. And it, it, it yeah, it's those snap decisions. Was there anyone you could talk to who might have gone through these similar experiences? Because I feel like what you went through isn't an uncommon thing for players to go through because rugby and professional rugby especially becomes so all-encompassing and the be-all and end-all that I imagine when you get an injury like that, like, as you say, Robbie, Robbie's gone through loads of different injuries um, over his career. There was a point, I think, a few years ago where people were like, he really needs to string a few games together. Was there anybody out there who you found was going through that experience or was this entirely, like, did it have to be a self-driven thing? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, what helped me get out of that dark space, and I remember I remember vividly, was hearing Blind Boy and Brezzy talk about their experiences of mental health. And I, I shared my whole experience on the off-field rugby pod because while that was difficult and I wouldn't have been at a place two years ago, even though I was good myself, I wouldn't have been at a place to do that. It just... You know, it takes time and whatever to to do that. But people say talk to other people, which 100% you should do. But I still, I felt like it was, I was weak. I felt like I was useless. I felt like I was just worthless. And, you know, if I was saying, say to anyone that they then would think I'm all those things and that I was no good. And so anyway, that's how, what I felt when I was going through it. But literally just putting on the podcast and hearing those two speak about it. Like they're men who are a couple of years older than me from Ireland. And yeah, genuinely those hearing them, I was like, oh, they went through too. And they're, look at them, they're flying it now. Mm-hmm. And so that actually gave me a bit of, uh, kind of, it just helped me get from zero to one, maybe like get off the ground. And then from there, as I said, I started reading, I just started studying hard. Like I just started buying books and reading them and I just went hard into it. And so then, yeah, I just, a couple of months ago, I just shared, you know, my experience or I've started sharing my experience of, yeah, the mental health struggles. And, uh, yeah, because I, I know it's very common, even, you know, over here in Christchurch, I the other coaches are we're all very aware of it now. I think people are aware of that other people struggle. And actually, a cl- the club I'm helping out with now, Burnside, a uh, a player died by suicide last year. So before I was here, I don't know him, but so as coaches, we're talking about how we can help the players with mental health. Not even so, you know, the work I do with players is more so on, we'll say, mental skills. Like, how do you deal with nerves? How do you not worry when you're out in the field. How do you move on when you make a mistake? How do you play in the zone? Like I give players tools to do all of that. And in the book, the book on how you become a pro rugby player, I, I go through all those in the different chapters. But I suppose, yeah, we're talking about kind of two two different but similar things, you know, like the sport, mental skills, you know, if it all gets taken away, it can obviously lead to more serious things. So you get another bite of the cherry, I guess. You're into Canada, you play with the University of British Columbia and British Columbia. It looks like maybe Canada is the way to get to international rugby finally. Um, tell me what happened in April 2022. Yeah, so as I was really funny, I, I moved to Canada and I was just wanting to get back to being myself, just being happy, just being there, uh, enjoying life. And I loved playing. And so when I got the shoulder right, I went back playing what I would consider social rugby, but it was, I suppose, the top level there. And 
No, it's maybe not right to say socially. I was taking it socially, I suppose, put it that way. My mindset mm. was, this is just a bit of fun, but it was probably maybe AIL 2A, 2B standard. And anyway, I just, you know, just started playing and carving up and not to, uh, hope it don't sound too big headed, but I was never carving up back home. I was always just struggling to stay stay in the fight, you know, playing with all these other brilliant players. I was just okay. trying to stay in the team and just, just do my job. But uh, anyway... Yeah, so then I got selected to play for BC, the provincial team against Canada in a 2019 World Cup warm-up, which was class experience. It was funny, I was only 27, but it was at that point I was kind of like, oh, here's kind of a, a little taste of something that I had tasted a few years ago. And that kind of kind of changed my mind a little bit. It kind of gave me, as I said, a taste of it. And so from there, I started kind of taking things a bit ser- more serious. I... You know, start pushing myself more in the gym the way I would have when I was younger. I was I was still working out because that's a huge part of me for my mental health, like exercising in the morning, and I was doing all those things. But anyway, it gave me the the kind of bit between the teeth again, and then I got selected for the Canada West Men's Team, and I was eligible to play with them this year in May, and I was yeah like right on the in the system to do that, like a become a NIQ player or whatever uh, through residency and. But then, yeah, this this time last year, essentially, I got a high shot, a shoulder to the head, got knocked out. And unfortunately, I wasn't taken off the field. And it hasn't been, it wasn't my first concussion at all. But in the past concussions I've got, they were never too long lasting, like a day or two later, I was fine. And so I kind of always played them down a little bit or thought they weren't too serious. But this one... I got a bang in the head, you know, big shoulder in the head. And um, uh, the physio runs on. He says, how are you? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. What's the score? I kind of piece it back together. Uh, 10-3. And then he's like, okay, what day is it? And I'm like, um, Saturday. And, you know, I piece it back together. And when you're in the moment and the adrenaline is pumping, you need someone else to make the decision for you. And it's funny, even I was in Wakonic there over the Christmas and I was chatting to Dave Heffernan who I know well from growing up in Balna together and he said that we were just chatting about this and he said yeah last summer he got concussed in a game against the All Blacks and he said that they pulled him off and he goes there was no way I was coming off or you know it's just funny when you're in that moment and me as a coach now if I see someone who I think might have got a bang in the head I'm pulling them off like I'm just so precautious but anyway when you're in the thick of it and the adrenaline's pumping you're in the battle you're you're in the war, uh, you don't want to come off. And anyway, unfortunately, I played on for another 40 minutes, but like the lineup, the ball was going through my hands in the line out. I was missing tackles by two meters and they then pulled me off. Probably should have been earlier, but the symptoms, people say like, oh, symptoms, but what symptoms mean, the symptoms for me lasted for six months, but I think symptoms doesn't do it justice. So I had like pounding headaches for six months, all day, every day, pounding headaches. I had like very emotional, irritable. Uh, I wasn't able to see any brightness in any day. Like I was, uh, I was probably depressed again, but I knew why. So I was mm. okay in a sense. But uh, to be honest, and you know, there's only been two periods in my life where this has happened, but the other one was the day after I got concussed that time. And this is why I tried to spread awareness with concussion and for people to be taken off the field when a suspected one has happened. 
I remember I was walking across a bridge the day after the concussion and I looked in and I said, no, I get it why people jump in. Um, and once again, I just caught myself and it was, um, it was a concussion, obviously. And yeah. it was your head. It's very hard to explain, but it, um, it feels, I was chatting to Jamie Cudmore in the off-field rugby pod. He said, it feels like mice are running around in your brain and you can't get any reprieve from it. And your mm. head is just, is so sore. Um, and all the, you know, the circuits are all messed up. And so you start thinking, you know, it affects your thinking anyway. So it was just, that was an ordeal, but, um, look, I'm grateful that I'm, I'm all good now. So yeah, if anyone, if you're a, a coach, a teammate, a parent or supporter on the sideline, if you see someone get a bang in the head, just pull them off the field. There's always another game. You know, it doesn't matter how big you think it is. That's very interesting. I had no idea that concussion would have that kind of effect on your mental health. That's um, that's fascinating. I suppose something you highlight there, um, I'm just thinking now, we look at concussion and high shots and dangerous tackles and player welfare as this sort of culpability thing. So when you look back at, say, the Freddie Stewart red card a few weeks ago, it was all, oh, it's a rugby collision, but it's a dangerous part and players need to change their behaviour, which is all true. But really, there's also the other side of it um, in concussion where it's your own team and how willing they are to jump in and get you off the field and make sure you get the care you want. Um, and from your perspective, that's obviously at the forefront of your thinking whenever you see a player injured. But I'm thinking of um, rugby's existential crisis right now and everybody's a bit afraid that you know um, participation is dropping because of the dangerous hits. And I'm starting to realise maybe it's not even the danger itself, but maybe parents are looking and saying, the stories I've heard, my if my son or daughter gets injured or gets a knock to the head, I'm not 100% convinced that they're going to get the post-shock care that they need. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, 100%. I think you're spot on. And look, I absolutely love rugby. I've loved it since I was four or five years of age. I loved the contact. I loved the collision. I loved everything about the physicality. I played like Gaelic basketball, hurling, soccer, tennis, golf, like you name, boxing, you name it. If you name it, if it was on in Ballina around the place, I did it. And I just, rugby is the one I like most. And I love it. Like, and so uh, we don't want the sport to go away, but I think that's exactly what it is. It's like, Hey, everyone, these banks, the heads aren't good and they will happen. It's a, it's a part of the, uh, what do you call it? Say, side effect of the game or you know you want when you're as a player a big part of why you play is because you get to kind of become a warrior you know go into battle and do those things and put in hits make hits and you get to go into the arena and that's just an incredible feeling anyone who's played rugby at any level who's enjoyed it doesn't matter if you're div 10 or whatever level we all get that same feeling and that's incredible and but we do need to protect each other and the big thing is you we need to care for each other. Like, you know, we're talking about mental health, different thing, but you, you need to have each other's backs. You need to care about each other. And don't get me wrong, every game I play played, I wanted to win it like nothing. Like you've no idea how much I wanted to win it. But, you know, I'd nearly need to have a leg falling off. I would never go off or you never would, but yeah, you need to help your teammates and you need to just say, 
like I did it last weekend. I was coaching and a guy, it was only preseason to be honest, not that the game mattered, but I would do it anyway. A guy took a high shot and I just said, he's get him off. And the physio ran on, another coach ran on from the other side and we're kind of like looking at him and I just said, get him off, get mm -hmm. him off. And then they kind of looked at him again and then they looked at me and I was just like staring at them. <laughs> you know, I was yeah. I was not for budging and then they, they brought him off. But, you know, there's no, you can't do a, this is the problem. You can't do a check or I don't know, the, the physio is a very good physio, but there's no check you can do to a player who you think has gotten a high shot because I've been there. I've taken shots to the head and, and brush and, and blagged them off. I've, I've done it. I know it. I did it that last time. I got one that was so bad that those were the quote unquote symptoms that, but yet I could still, because it takes you 15 seconds to run on. And by that point, the player can often come to. So anyway, as a teammate, you just look, you go to battle, you go to war, you're in the thick foot. But when something like that happens, you need to be able to take a step back and go, oh, look, okay, get out of the war, take the head out of the battle for a second. And let's just be pragmatic here and just pull off Cameron and then we'll get back at it, you know? Uh, to be honest, Brian, they'd be pulling me off, not because of concussion, like to be 10 minutes in, it's like, okay, it's uh, one of those days for Cameron, so we'll take him off. <laughs> Talk to me about the stuff you're doing in these mindfulness seminars. So you've been around different clubs, talking to different players. The off-field podcast, as you say, is about getting into the player's psyche and what kind of things are going through their head as a professional rugby player. What kind of work are you doing with them? Yeah, so... I work with players one-on-one -on -one, and that's mainly over Zoom. You know, sometimes if they're in the locality, we meet for a coffee and we, it's essentially, it's, it's mentoring, but it's helping them play in the zone, helping them be the best, their best selves. So often they'll be dealing with nerves. I get very, I get very nervous for games, Ryan, I feel a bit sick. And so it's helping them with that, helping them understand that nerves are just adrenaline and you need adrenaline and how to channel that feeling you get in your belly to work for you and not against you. Or players say, I make a mistake, you know, I could be having a great game for half an hour, I make one mistake, I miss a kick, and my head drops for the whole game. So it's helping the player work through that. And so it's, you know, when, when I'm working with players one-on-one, -on -one, it's a case-by-case. -case. But when I go to a school, like, yeah, I was around a number of different schools in Ireland while I was back home for a couple of months um, giving talks. And I suppose that's just more general one. I, I will chat with the games master or the head coach or whatever beforehand and understand where the team is at and how the team has been doing and tailor the talk then based uh, upon that. And, you know, sometimes it'll actually, to be honest, be JCT and SCT and then the hockey girls from the school came in too. And, you know, so it'll be kind of everyone will be coming in. But anyway, so yeah, it's, it's and these are the different chapters in the book, but like how to play in the zone and how to deal with nerves, how to have more confidence out in the field, how to have more self-belief and how to dream big. So how to overcome limiting beliefs. A big, this is a big one that, you know, if I say to players, what do you want to achieve in the game? They'll say, oh, I want to achieve this. And if I said, if I then say, if you couldn't fail, if you couldn't fail, and you were going to achieve whatever you aimed at, what would you want to achieve then? Oh, well, if that's the case, Brian, I want to achieve this. So their limiting beliefs, their fear of failure is what is holding them back from truly going after what they want. They're, yeah. they're selling themselves short before they even try. And so there's so much work on, on your mindset that you can do. And, and dealing with failure is a huge one that I'll always touch on in, in the talks. 
because you you Google the famous quote from Michael Jordan. You know, I've missed 9,000 shots. I've entrusted to take the game winning shot 26 times missed. I've failed over and over and over again. And that is why I succeed. So Kobe talks about it too. All the goats talk about the importance of failure. Like they want to fail. They're pushing so hard. They're trying so hard. They're taking shots. They're backing themselves. They're playing in the zone that they know failure is going to happen. They're going to miss shots, but but they don't care. They're not afraid of it. So it's uh, that's a huge part of it too. It's just helping players understand that failure is actually good. You you got to fail. You can't play so cautiously and conservatively that you never fail because if you do so, you'll never go close to your potential. Very interesting. Um, obviously, you're doing great work with them, but without getting too personal, how has the work and what you're doing helped you and put context on what you went through? Oh, man, it's huge. Like, I when I was eight years of age, I was in Balna Rugby Club and I saw the green jerseys on the wall and I just said, I want my jersey up there on the wall when I was eight. And so from eight and I, I asked my dad, I was, what's the youngest Irish team there is? And he said the under 18. So I said, I want to play for the Irish 18s. And from the age of eight onwards, I had that picture in my mind of me wearing the green jersey. And when I went out playing, I would pretend I'm playing in that green jersey. I was just driven. And look, I didn't make the 18s. I was in the third camp. I was in the last camp. I lost all confidence. I froze. That was when I first started to understand the mental side of the game. And I realized then I was like, those 23 that got picked, I was literally like, I was in a 28-man squad. It got cut to 23. And I was like, those 23 that got picked, what do they have that I don't have? And it wasn't the gym. It wasn't the skills. It was the confidence. They they walked with their shoulders back. They looked people in the eye. They projected their voice. They they just had an air confidence about them. So I decided then, I was like, I need to become a confident player. And then I made the Irish 19s the next year. But then, to be honest, I didn't... Uh, the limiting beliefs got me and look I, I I didn't then have another big goal I never from, until I got to the States or Canada but for those few years I didn't I kind of was like oh I don't know am I good enough and then look I, I did Captain the Connick 20s on a team with Jack Carty Robbie Henshaw Kira Marmy and those boys and I was just very lucky to get selected as that we won the Interpros and played at Lansdowne but to be honest I, I know that my mindset held me back when from after that and now, you know, oh, nothing will stop me. Like I, you know, I, I love it. I love it. And it just helps me like all this stuff that I I'm studying for me too. Like, you know, the stuff I share on my Instagram at Offfield Rugby, I'm talking to those young players, but I'm talking to me too. And I'm always working on myself. Like I've just books all around me. I'm, you know, go to seminars, listen to people that are way, way smarter than me and yeah, as I said, I just study this stuff hard because we only get one life as well. And like, I've just realized what's the point in going through the motions or not going after your biggest dreams. And I found that when you do truly go all in, in what you want to achieve, like doors just open for you. It's mad. It's mad. So like, and dealing with pressure as well, dealing with nerves, like public speaking, like I didn't grow up being a confident public speaker far from it but i love that stuff now i love the challenge of getting up in front of rooms of people and it's difficult so like dealing with nerves having confidence having self-belief all that stuff i work on you know is i practice what i preach as well so um yeah yeah it's it helps me for sure in my journey now as a coach and what i'm doing it's great to see that 
you know, you've come from obviously what was an incredibly dark space. And now from the work you're doing with others, it's all starting to make sense for you, which is brilliant. Um, just one final one for me. A lot of people are talking about um, this Irish rugby team from the Six Nations, the Grand Slam, what came up constantly was their mentality, their mentality monsters, as Kenny Cunningham said in our show. What have they, where has that come from? Because you would have thought in a few years ago, this team gets a knock, it could be fatal. You know, their confidence was a little bit more rocky. So what kind of techniques or what's what's changed, basically? Yeah, um, I believe, so first of all, they have a mindset and performance coach in the camp with them. His name escapes me, but I've heard great things yes, from Gary, different yeah. people. Gary yeah. Keegan. Uh, and yeah, and so uh, a couple of things. One thing is they seem very relaxed. They seem very in the moment. And I was actually talking to someone in the camp and they said that Andy Farrell talks a lot about be present, be in the moment. And you can see that they're not they're not thinking about what they should be doing there. It seems like Andy Farrell has trusted those players to to play in the moment, to make decisions themselves, to to back themselves, to be courageous, to play what they see and feel, of course, following a game plan. But he isn't trusting those players and they look quite relaxed out there. Relaxation is a huge part of the mental side of the game. You need to be able to relax to be in the moment and have courage and back yourself to yeah, make decisions. And you see that the way the phase played, the way they take on the ball, the way they make decisions at the line, the speed that they play at. You can't be in your head thinking. You have to just be in your body. And that, that can be a difficult concept for some people. But, you know, you can't be thinking about what you're doing. You just have to be doing. Essentially, you have to be an autopilot. This is mm. what people say about being in the zone, being in the flow state. And yeah, I chat about that in chapter 11 of the book of how you get into the zone, the the different steps of how you get to that place at a match on a match day. And it looks like, yeah, it looks like those Irish players are they're all always in the zone. And um yeah, it's class. It really is. It's uh, it's class to see. And yeah, hopefully it it continues on. Yeah, hopefully we get a you know, September doesn't feel that I'm far away now at this stage. So, you know, over the next six months, just keep doing what they're doing, I guess. But Brian, it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you today. Yeah, fascinating story, really, and fascinating work that you're doing. Best of luck down in New Zealand, and hopefully we'll chat to you again soon. Yeah, for sure. Cheers for having me on, Cameron. Thanks, Mel. Really enjoyed chatting. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. 